0: G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, worker stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Stick Together is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation. Today, we hear about a decision from the Fair Work Commission which may pave the way for fair wages in the agricultural industry. We hear from Matt Kunkel from the Migrant Workers Centre for some details. But first, some union news. In another decision that shows the federal LNP government's lack of interest in the welfare of workers, it has announced a new agricultural visa program. The Morrison government's agricultural visa has no limits on the number of workers that employers can bring into Australia, no limit on the industries that they can work in and no geographic restrictions on where they can work. The new scheme also has no mechanism for ensuring that workers being brought in are fitting genuine skill shortages, meaning that employers have free reign to replace local employees with vulnerable migrant workers. The new scheme currently does not provide a pathway to permanent residency for workers. ACTU President Michelle O'Neill said the Morrison government is ploughing ahead with a visa scheme which will continue to gut reliable, secure employment in the regions through the mass exploitation of vulnerable visa workers. Despite mainstream media announcing that employers are experiencing trouble finding employees after the reduction of COVID restrictions, a new report, Faces of Unemployment 2021, produced by the Australian Council of Social Services, ACOS, and supported by Estra Foundation, drawing on Australian Bureau of Statistics and administrative data, paints a different picture of unemployment and those affected. Among the key Findings from the report, eighty per cent of people receiving job seeker payments, a record high of eight hundred and twenty six thousand people have had to rely on income support for more than a year. The current figure is more than double the previous peak of three hundred and fifty thousand after the nineteen ninety one recession, which prompted a billion dollar investment in employment assistance, including wage subsidies and training. Among people on income support for over two years, over half, 54%, have a disability and almost half, 46%, are over 55, underscoring widespread discrimination in the labor market against people with disability and older people. People's chances of securing full-time paid employment within the next year falls from over 50% when they are unemployed for less than three months to less than 25% once unemployed for over two years. The effective unemployment rate, which accounts for people stood down and those who left the paid workforce, was 9.5% in September, double the conventional unemployment measure of 4.5%. There are six people either seeking paid work or more paid working hours, along with many others changing jobs, for every job vacancy. Two-thirds of people on JobSeeker and Youth Allowances have high school qualifications only, yet the number of entry-level jobs is declining. While there are more unfilled vacancies as lockdown eases, most are in positions that require qualifications that people on JobSeeker payment don't have – involve heavy physical work, unsuitable for many people with physical disabilities, inflexible hours for caring responsibilities, or are in places they can't afford to move to, with rents rising by 17% in the past year in regional Australia. In Sydney, retail and fast food worker union workers at Better Read Than Dead Bookshop have recommenced Industrial action because management have reneged on their promises in bargaining a new agreement for fair working conditions and pay. There is a ban on web order work. The workers are calling a community rally Friday, the 19th of November, from 5 pm at the Mary Street entrance of Campingdown Memorial Park. More information from hashtag RAFU and hashtag StandUpFightBack. Also in Sydney, on November the 8th, more than a 1,000 bus drivers of both the TWU and the Rail, Tram and Bus Union New South Wales branch voted overwhelmingly in favour of industrial action over pay parity. Now, if you're a bus driver in one region, you're paid differently to a bus driver in another, all while doing the same work. They say workers just want fairness, same job, same pay. Workers at toll warehouses took strike action on Monday, November the 15th. The United Workers' Union reported hundreds of union members at seven toll warehouses across New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia are on strike. Workers at toll Optus, New South Wales, toll Kmart, Victoria, toll Camberfield, Victoria, toll Nike, Victoria, two toll Mondesley, Victoria sites and Toll Treasury Winery Estate South Australia have been engaged in negotiations with management for over six months, voting down management's unfair offers. Toll is refusing to provide these workers with secure jobs and, and a fair pay rise, says the workers. <coughs> country road warehouse staff have taken strike action over insecure work and low pay their union the united workers union says the reality for workers at country road beyond the glossy magazine celebrity stacked fashion shows and beautifully curated boutiques is a hostile workplace coupled with poverty wages and mostly male management who don't want to listen to their mostly women workers In April, 82% of workers voted to reject the insulting offer from Country Road. Since then, the company has refused to compromise or even talk about a fair deal, despite workers and their union moving on many of their claims. In South Australia, essential public sector workers in roles such as hospital cleaners, personal care workers in regional aged care facilities, disability support workers, orderlies, Patient services assistants and catering workers represented by the UWU are fighting for secure jobs as they suspect the Marshall Government is pushing for privatisation of their jobs. The union says the Marshall Liberal Government has failed to recognise the essential nature of the work they perform, failing to table and offer addressing members reasonable claims of job security, fair wage increases, while maintaining all of their current conditions. More than 3,000 public sector workers are taking action in South Australia to and disability support services as they fight against privatisation and job cuts. <coughs> the Maritime Union of Australia's switzer dispute continues with the three unions representing the tugboat employees joining forces and Switzer putting forward a new agreement which is expected to fail as members push for secure work and maintenance of pay and conditions from the internationally owned company working in ports across the country. <coughs> In international news the US Department of Labor fights back to protect workers. As more than 1,100 Americans continue to die each day from COVID-19, the Department of Labor has pushed back against a temporary injunction blocking the recently issued OSHA vax or test mandate. Department of Labor attorneys told the New Orleans-based Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals judges that the stay would likely cost dozens or even hundreds of lives per day. Republican attorneys general in at least 26 states, most of which have Republican governors, have challenged the OSHA emergency standard in five different US appeal courts. The first requirements of the standard involving development of a policy and masking for non-vaccinated workers come into effect on December the 5th. The vaccinate or test requirement comes into effect January the 4th data shows a significantly high COVID-related death rate in counties that voted for Trump in the 2020 election than those that voted for Biden. This is mainly due to the lower level of vaccinations among Republicans. The White House also weighed in. Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean Pierre told employers, Do not wait to take actions that will keep your workplace safe. The administration clearly has the authority to protect workers, and actions announced by the President are designed to save lives and stop the spread of COVID 19. In Portugal, under a new law, employers in Portugal are barred from contacting workers outside of contractual hours. The law, one of the world's boldest efforts to re- regulate remote work, also requires employers to pay part of off site workers' electricity and internet bills. You're listening to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News, broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. After a hard and long battle for the pay of farm workers to reach minimum pay standards, the Australian Workers' Union, supported by the United Workers' Union, the state governments of Queensland, Victoria and Western Australia – Australian Council of Social Services, the United Church of Australia and 88 days and counting successfully brought an application to vary the horticultural award to the Fair Work Commission, which agreed that there should be a guarantee of a minimum wage rather than a reliance on peace rates set arbitrarily low by farmers. Like all decisions coming out of the Fair Work Commission, there is more to it than the headline Fair Wages for Farm Workers at Last. I spoke to Matt Kunkel from the Migrant Workers Centre for a backgrounder.
1: Hi, Annie. Thanks for having me on and morning to all the listeners. Um, So, the Fair Work Commission made a decision that they would alter the Horticulture Award, which sets the minimum wages and conditions of workers who pick our fruit and veggies. And um, what they've said is that for those workers who are engaged on peace rates, where, you know, a, a certain amount of money per bin of fruit or, um, you know, a certain amount of money for how many different um, trees you might be pruning for something like that, um, that even if, you're set, even if you're on a piece rate, you'll be guaranteed to take home the minimum wage uh, for all of the hours that you've worked, which is a really huge shift um, for the workers and a huge victory for the workers in the industry.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I've been sorting through it and uh, the peace rate uh, is... um I mean, if you look at it, it, it was this is what it says: a full-time and part-time. This is what they wanted to have. Uh, that that clause provided that the piecework rate fixed by agreement must enable the average competent employee to earn at least fifteen percent more per hour than the minimum hourly weight. The problem was that even the Fair Work Commission could tell that uh, piecework rates are set unilaterally by the grower and presented to the employee. On a take it or leave it basis rather than being the product of any genuine negotiation between the employer and employee. And this is one of the things that uh, your centre, the Migrant Workers Centre, in particular, has a very strong awareness of amongst your members, isn't it so?
1: Yeah, and so I guess that we've known that the peace rate system's been broken for a very long time, and earlier this year we released a report to coincide with the. Um, the hearings around this uh, this case that showed that some workers were earning as little as $9 a day and that almost 80% of workers that we surveyed, and we surveyed over 1,300 of them, that um, they were being paid less than the, the minimum wage uh, when they were working on these peace rate systems. And what we see here is there's a number of kind of issues that make this an impossible situation for particularly migrant workers, where... Um, working holiday makers have to go out into the country to work 88 days on a farm if they want to extend their visa and stay in the country a little bit longer. So, you know, so we found people working for a little as nine dollars a day. Uh, we saw that were, this was coupled with other abuses like, you know, accommodation scams or violence and harassment in the workplace. Um, but what we know is that the, it, the the farmers have been setting these rates, as the commission found
0: unilaterally,
1: on a take-it-or-leave-it basis, and they've been setting them so low um, that, you know, people couldn't possibly make up the minimum wage, which led to them working extremely long hours in the sun, in the cold, just to try and make enough to live. And peace peace rates itself won't disappear under this decision, so, you know, it was obvious... Peace rates are in a number of different awards, not just the horticulture awards, Um, but... Peace rates are there to try and incentivise people Um, and if you pick more, you get more and there are going to be people that will continue to get much higher than the minimum wage, but this case showed, not just the union's evidence, but um, also the farmers' evidence that they put on themselves showed that the majority of people that are working under these um, conditions, under these peace rate agreements, um, were were just not able to get the minimum wage uh, and that is what I think led to the the commission making a, a huge a huge decision to um well we shouldn't I guess
0: well it's no, a huge you...
1: victory for workers but really what we're talking about is a guaranteed minimum wage which yeah. in 2021 um it's shocking that we're um that we're still having to fight for something
0: like that. Well, it's interesting. There's a whole lot of things I want to ask you about this because, uh, this decision or this move by the Australian Workers Union, uh, supported by the UWU and Mm -hmm. a variety of, uh, governments around Australia, state governments around Australia, uh, is only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the struggle that has been going on. Uh, And I mean, I've been aware of the UWU uh, real grassroots campaign that are bringing to the surface uh, very brave workers and uh, attempting to get people from particular language groups involved in fighting back uh, against these abuses
1: yeah I mean, look, there's been a definite revitalization of organizing in the in the farm sector, and you know we've seen that being coupled with workers standing up and telling their stories and some pretty horrific ones, um, particularly in the media going back to the um, the slaving away um, story on four corners many years ago. but I mean this is this is definitely we're overdue for action. Um, we've seen countless reports, we've seen countless news stories. We've seen workers standing up and demanding better. Um, But this change that would institute a minimum wage in the farms is a really great step. But it's really, you know we never, we can't ever hope to hold on to something that we win in a court unless we're organised together to to defend it um, in our shops or in our factories or in this case, on our farms because. Our report as well showed that 61% of people that worked in the, in the farm sector that were paid hourly wages um, were actually underpaid as well. So while this is a really, really massive step, and I don't want to downplay it because it's a huge shift. The only solution to raising wages, to making better jobs is for workers to join in unions, to fight together. Uh, and, and address the imbalance that they have in the workplace against their boss.
0: Well, because you're saying it's one step, and this is what I, one of the things I want to get to. You can't take your hand off the throttle, can you? Because uh, you're now, from the Migrant Workers Centre, is pushing now for there to be legislation passing to actually uh, place a, um, a, a a seal on this judgment because it's not, I mean, there can still be, there's still a sort of a, an appeals process uh, uh, that can yeah. be brought against this judgment.
1: Yeah. Well, it's slightly different to that, I guess, Annie. I mean, we're looking for the federal government to come out and support this decision and, and send a message to farmers and to their um, and to their employer association, the Farmers Federation, um, to not appeal this decision, but to respect it. Um because the Farmers' Federation has been frothing at the mouth. I mean, they're, they're saying that the sky is going to fall in, um, that, you know, this is the end of peace rates, and, you know, this will push farmers to the wall. But, um, I mean, what we're talking about here is abolishing... Um, Slavery. Not abolish- yes, we're, we're, we're really <laughs> talking about running out these bad um, these bad operators that have been using this particular scheme to push wages down. What we're also saying is, as you said, Annie, I mean, we need to keep the pressure on. We need to keep um, things moving ahead. This is, again, a huge, mammoth shift in the way that um, industrial relations on farms will will operate. But we still need... There's a couple of things in front of the parliament at the moment. Um, A lot of people kind of say it, you know, like the Orwellian named, but the bill that the government has put forward, the Protecting Migrants Bill, is actually perversely going to have the opposite effect um, to what it intends um, by making it quite precarious and and quite um, dangerous for people in migrant workers to actually report industrial abuses because it could see them reset the clock on their permanent pathway. Um, We need to do... You know, if we want to fix this sector, we need to do a couple of things. We need to make sure that there's a pathway to permanent residency for those workers that want it, and we really need to see um, more powers given to unions to organise in the sector, um, to get together and to really, you know, collectively bargain and make, um, you know, make that a farm a farm sector that's fair for workers uh, and, you know, drive out this, this exploitation that we, we, we see all over the place.
0: Well, it, actually, it was quite fascinating during the COVID period when uh, there was a lot of, uh, Murdoch media around uh, the loss of crops and not enough workers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the pushback was that um, uh, they refused to pay people properly and to treat them with any respect, and so it was, yeah. and that it was really difficult for local workers to actually get jobs in these places. Spaces.
1: Well, I mean, Annie, the the government and farmers have done everything to try and attract people to these jobs, except pay people more to them. (laughs) Um, And, you know, what we now see as well is, you know, this mad rush to, you know, try and fill the labour supply issues, but not addressing what's at the very core of it, which is these jobs are really difficult jobs. They're jobs um, that only last a little while, Um, so you've got to move from place to place. um, And... You know, we need to find a way of stabilising um, the, the paying conditions, improving the paying conditions so that people can actually afford to go and work on these in these jobs so that migrant workers that come here and that are in, some, in many ways almost required to go through this period of work on farms if they want to extend their visas, that those people are going to be respected, that they're going to have decent jobs. And rather than just kind of working for their... Working for their right to stay in the country another year, they're actually taking home a fair day's pay uh, for for a fair day's work. So um, there's a lot more that still needs to be done here. And as I said before, the only thing that's going to to make sure we both kind of really realise the victory from this decision in the um, in the commission is if workers. Are coming together in union to um, to demand better in the in the sector.
0: It's it's interesting to me. The uh, the uh, this is a sort of a, a left of field thing, but uh, the basic uh, uh, bullying and uh, pervasive uh, exploitative relationship between uh, the workers that exposed by this uh, um, area of work is exactly the same kind of hideous uh bullying that comes out of the uh issues around um uh sexual harassment uh, uh, and uh the relate- domestic violence that we is endemic in this country uh it's ex- it's an attitudinal thing and the uh, business about precarity at, uh, and the intersection of both industrial and migration law is an example of this people not being able to say that this is a really criminally uh, abusive uh, employment relationship, uh, because uh, they're frightened of being deported.
1: Yeah, there's a huge. That's a huge issue, Annie. I mean, that's why we say that one of the most important things that we can do to support um, all the migrant workers, not just on farms, but ac- across the country, is to improve the visa system, to improve the migration system. We rely in this country and have become. Um, Employers have become addicted to this temporary, temporary migration scheme um, because it allows them to add a new level of precarity on top of, you know, the casual, casual precarity. If, you know, you're a casual and your visa might... Um, and, and, I, and I control your visa. Um, and I can, if I control your visa, I might control how long you get to stay in the country. So um, we do really see some controlling behaviour from some very bad employers. And, and one way we can fix that is by making sure um, that those who want to stay, because we know that many of the um, many of the almost 2 million temporary migrants in this country want to stay, but they have no option or they have very few options to actually stay without continuing to stay in very difficult situations where they're being paid less than the minimum wage, being treated horribly. Um, it's important to say here that it's the employers that are, you know, hungry to keep this because they're the ones that are benefiting um, the most out of out of these exploitative conditions. Um, The other thing, Annie, is that, you know, the work that we do with migrant workers, you know, educating and kind of going out and telling people about what their rights are. Everyone that we speak to when you when you tell them, you know, this is the minimum wage and, you know, this is superannuation. There's no one, not one single person that that's out there that we've spoken to that said, "Oh, well, I'm I'm kind of happy earning five <laughs> or ten dollars an hour." You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's there's this idea, I mean, and a and a wrong idea that you know migrants are, you know, that migrants are scapegoated for, for some of the issues that um, that workers face in this country. But it's the bosses that are the ones that are driving the wages down. Um, it's the government that's, uh, it's the federal government that's. Supporting them in that endeavour by refusing to to make changes to the industrial relations system and their continued attacks on unions and um, it's it's a really thing that um, for all of you listeners out there you know join a union <laughs> if you're in the in the workplace or if you're not in the, in the workplace there's you know the unemployed workers union as well but if you if join a union stand together with other workers no matter where they're from um, because. Ultimately, that's the only way that we're going to turn this around and make sure that we've got decent living standards for everybody.
0: Thanks for talking to us, Matt.
1: No worries. Thanks, Annie.
0: That's it from Stick Together this week. You can catch up with the show at 3cr.org.au or where you get your favourite podcasts. Contact us at Together at threecr.org.au. crorgau I'm Annie McLaughlin. Join the Stick Together team next week for more workers' news. And remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, There's a union for you, and stick together.
2: Everything is free now, that's what they say. Everything I ever done, gonna give it away Someone hit the big score, and figured it out They were gonna do it anyway, even if it doesn't pay Tip jar and gas up the car. Try to make a little change. That's what they say. Everything I ever done, gonna give it away. Someone hit the big score.